Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 2, Episode 16 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. Peace Soup as it's 2019. People Soup has entered its second year of existence. For this first episode, I've called it A Story About Working With Values. And I want to give you a heads up, I use the F word towards the end of the story. I decided not to bleep it out as I believe it was appropriate in the context of the story, but I wanted to let you know. People Soup is a podcast that takes evidence-based psychology and behavioural science with the aim of making it accessible, fun and useful for people in the workplace and beyond. This is based upon a foundation of contextual behavioural science and other complementary psychological approaches. We aim to make our content interesting for humans, whether you're curious about psychology in the workplace, a psychologist, a therapist, a practitioner or anyone really. It was psychologist Abraham Maslow who said, a first-rate soup is more creative than a second-rate painting. And that was the inspiration for this podcast. More than ever, the world of work is a heady mix of people, behaviour, events and challenges. When the blend is right, it can be first-rate. I believe behavioural science and psychology has a lot to offer in terms of recipes, ingredients and utensils. So welcome to People Soup. I'm going to start with news. I've been planning for 2019, thinking about guests, topics and ideas, and I'd love to hear your views too. Whether you'd like to come on the podcast yourself, or you have a topic that would be of interest, or you know someone who might be interested. I've got a fair few conversations on the go, but I'm looking for psychologists and practitioners, as well as people with something interesting about their career. Maybe an unusual job. Maybe a career shift. Maybe someone who worked on a difficult, high-profile issue. Possibly people who've reached a high position in their field, or people making an impact, people who love what they do, and basically people with a tale to tell. So please do get in touch. So this week I wanted to talk about using values in real life. The idea for this episode came as I was filling in my Diary for Valued Action, produced by Nick Hooper, and there's still a chance to bag yours if you haven't got a diary yet this year and you want to get something really useful, well-designed and practical Get yourself over to valuedliving.org to order yours, and I'll make sure the link is in the show notes. This week it's a story to illustrate, and hopefully a practical way, how I used values, how I brought them to life in my behaviour, and how I also noticed the unhelpful stuff that my mind generated. I use this story a fair bit in training in organisations, and it's developed a bit of a following. Why do I use myself? Because I'm primarily an expert in being me. I can't pretend to identify or know how you experience the world, but I can use behavioural science and research evidence to share a perspective that I know has worked on other people. And by sharing my story, it might well resonate with you or lead you to develop a different perspective, perhaps. There was a time a few years ago when I was training a group of teachers and we were doing a values card sort together. The instructions for the values card sort are on the show notes for this episode. There'll also be an opportunity to win a set of values cards at the end of the episode, and there are three packs to give away. Anyway, I was with this group of teachers, asking them to sort the values cards and choose some that resonated with them. In this exercise, we encourage people to go with their gut instinct, thinking about what ignites them or resonates with them, without their mind getting too involved. I was drawn to one value, fitness. And this was a time in my life where I was feeling a bit ropey. I felt like I'd had a cold after a cold after a cold, was constantly knackered and run down. So 
I decided to work with it and see how I could go about translating a value, this word on a card, the word fitness, into some action in my life. So if you want to have a go, you might want to select a value that leaps out at you from the list in the show notes. How could I express the value of fitness in my life? I knew the answer instinctively. It was cycling for me. I've always enjoyed cycling, particularly when I was a kid. And actually, just reflecting, I learned to ride a bike at a relatively late age. I reckon I was about 10 or 11. And that was quite a a traumatic tale and probably the subject for uh, another episode. Anyway, I used to really enjoy playing out on my bike. I grew up in a small village in the northeast of England. My dad zhuzhed up a bike for me with a new paint job and chunky tyres and I thought I was the bee's knees playing out on my red bike, nailing my cycling proficiency test, riding around the village with the breeze in my big hair. Since then, I think I've gone through every bike trend there is. I had a racing bike, an early mountain bike, a hybrid, even a folding bike. Each time I got really enthusiastic, got some new gear like lights, water bottles, and then the enthusiasm wore off quite quickly. My mind is telling me I bottled it as I hear these words coming out of my mouth. What happened to all those bikes? Well, they they took on new functions wherever I was living at the time. They became somewhere to hang a jacket or a scarf, pair of gloves. You can also rest books on a bike if you're a bit careful. They soon became obscured or even relegated to an outside location where they sat there like a guilty reminder gathering rust. So just to recap... I was curious about the value of fitness. That was the card that leapt out at me. And I knew that cycling was something I really enjoyed. So I decided to use behavioural science, that is my speciality, to see what content my mind was generating in relation to cycling. Because I know that that content that my mind produces can hijack my behaviour and stop me doing stuff that's important to me. So what was my mind generating in relation to cycling? Well, let me tell you. The first one was, I'm too wobbly. And by that, I don't mean I think I'm a danger to myself or other road users. I just mean I'm not very slick or stylish on a bike. I don't have that elegance or that ease you see on the boys on telly on their bikes and the girls on telly on their bikes for that matter. Second one is a big one for me, this thought of what will the neighbours say. And this pops up in many, many areas of my life. So what I mean is what if people see me out on my bike and make a, make a judgment about me. Let me be clear, when I mean neighbours, I don't just mean my geographical neighbours, I mean anyone on the planet. Next one was people will laugh at me. It's related to what will the neighbours say. I love making people laugh, but I don't like people laughing at me. It makes me feel quite vulnerable and exposed, I guess. Another classic thought that my mind produces in relation to cycling is I'm no good at sport. Imagine a kind of gangly boy with big hair doing PE at school, that's physical education. And the PE teacher shouting, come on, Macintosh, I could throw my handbag further than that. Or, come on, Crystal Tips, lift your legs a bit higher. I need to explain that reference, I think, to Crystal Tips. Crystal Tips was a cartoon when I was growing up about a girl with big hair and a dog. That was just one of the names that was used in relation to me in PE. And one final thought that was coming up for me was, I'll give up like I've always done. So what's the point in starting? Now, in my branch of behavioural science, we're not that preoccupied with the content or even how often my mind generates thoughts like these. We're really interested in the effect of this content on my behaviour. So how likely do you think I'd be to get out on my bike with those thoughts clamouring for my attention? 
Not very likely I can almost hear you cry, P-Supers. In our work with values, we're not promoting this route as an easy way through life. We're promoting it as a way to do more of what matters and live a more meaningful and purposeful existence. But we acknowledge it's not always easy. And with thoughts like that coming up, hell, that isn't easy. What I find is an effective way of working with values is to combine more than one. So to fitness, I added courage and fun. And they really got me moving and really reflecting on what was important. And one day, I just did it. I went out on my bike and I loved it. I felt exhilarated, free, and the breeze was running through my slightly less big hair. So I'd recognise the content of my mind as just that, thoughts. And through my values work, I'd made fitness, courage and fun a more prominent guide to my action. It worked. I'm now a regular cyclist and I clock up a fair few kilometres every week. Although I haven't been out for a fair few weeks since before Christmas, I think even November was the last time I went out, partly due to my work schedule and partly due to a heavy cold. But that changed earlier today when I went for the first spin of 2019. I just took a fairly easy, really regular, familiar route and I absolutely loved it really feel invigorated and inspired to, to keep going again. But remember, this isn't easy. And I know that in the coming weeks, those thoughts will be uppermost in my mind when I'm thinking about going out for a ride. But I can always just remind myself what's important, that fitness, courage and fun. There's always a chance to return and reconnect with our values. And I've used a quote before, by Kelly Wilson, and I'm going to use it again here because I think it really fits. No one lives in accordance with their values all the time. Some days, some moments, we will be well-oriented within that pattern of living by our values. Other days, other moments, we'll find ourselves at odds with our values. In that moment, the moment in which we notice that we're out of alignment with our value, can we pause, notice our dislocation and gently return? It's difficult to imagine a value of any magnitude that will not involve a lifetime of gentle returns. And that's from Kelly Wilson. And I just love that lifetime of gentle returns. There's always a chance to reconnect with our values. And remember, as I've said, those thoughts don't go away. I've just got better at relating to them and recognising them for what they are. Some mornings when I'm intending to go out for a ride, they're clamouring for my attention right in my face. At moments like that, I find it useful to notice these thoughts and ask myself, are they helpful? Or are they helpful in pursuing what's important to me? And the answer is no, and that really helps me change the relationship with them, and it usually helps. Finally, a note of caution. Sometimes what people say in the real world can really reinforce those thoughts and add credence and weight to them. The second time I went cycling, I got to the pier in Brighton, and there was a large group of schoolchildren there, so large that I had to get off my bike to walk around them. At this point, I was still high from the first ride on the previous day. I was in a pair of old shorts and a T-shirt, feeling pretty cool, when from the midst of the crowd I heard these words, Mira, mira, Pablo, este chico parece Mr. Bean. So one of these kids had seen me and thought I looked a lot like Mr. Bean. Now, this was a bit like a dagger through my heart. I, I, I find it really amusing now, but but imagine that. It really reinforced those thoughts of what will the neighbours say and people might laugh at me. I could have gone straight home and put the bike back in the corner or even outside to gather more rust. 
but I didn't. I thought, fuck you, Pablo, and continued on my way. So there you have it. I thought it might be useful to share my experience. So the takeaway, there are a list of values developed by Ross Harris over on the show notes at rossmackintosh.co.uk. Why not have a look through them and see if anything leaps out at you? And this is a skill that we know it's useful to develop. My top tip is if you're translating a value into action is keep the action small. And remember, working with values involves a lifetime of gentle returns. So take it easy on yourself too. And if you share this episode on social media, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter or Instagram, you'll have the chance to win one of three sets of values cards so you can try doing your own card sort. If you share it by the 17th of January and I'll draw three names at random and announce them in that week's episode. I'm prepared to post them anywhere in the world, so don't feel you can't join in. Why would you want a set of values cards? Why would you not want a set of values cards more like? They contain the same values as the list in the show notes, but there's something very tactile and potentially revealing about sorting through the cards. It can also be fun and thought-provoking for friends and family. Thank you so much for listening. Really love to hear from you, as you'll know. You can get in touch at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at people.soup. You can find us on Twitter at peoplesouppod. And whatever platform you're on, please download, rate and review us, particularly on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us and helps me spread the word. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to Andy Glenn for the spoon magic. And I wish you all a fantastic week. Take care and bye for now. Mira, mira, Pablo. Este chico parece Mr. Bean.